Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room. I'm your host this weekly show, Matty Peverell, the host of the show that likes to put you in the minds of Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, um, Art Rooney II, and the rest of the Steelers front office as they look to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond, a roster that's now 2-5 and five on the season. Um, and so it might not be this year that the roster's chasing for a 7th Lombardi trophy, but there are key players on this team that might be part of that charge you know, in the years to come. But you know what? And that's a good, that's actually a really good segue into what I wanted to talk about today. So as usual, you know, this show in the season, we talk about the rookie report, both on the Steelers and the opposing, um, the opposition for the, against the Steelers. So this week it's the Eagles. Saving that for probably part two of the show depends, depends on how good I can, or how quickly um, I can get through part one. And what I wanted to focus on today and, and that winning record is, I guess, where are the Steelers going from here? Like, you think about this, people are talking about home truths for the Steelers. People are talking about Firemark Canada. Um, I can't say I completely disagree with that, but then people are like, you know, that the Steelers don't do that in season. You know, the reality is that the Steelers actually have to prove that they can win these games. They were so close on the weekend. And it wasn't just rose, rose-colored glasses or... Um, you know, black and gold colored goggles, as Brian Anthony Davis likes to use that term. They really weren't it to the end. And, you know, we all wish Pickett would have taken off. But he could have taken off, and if he fumbled the ball, everyone was like, wish he threw it. I haven't had a chance to catch that route on tape yet. Uh, look, it may just be a bad throw. I feel like DJ rarely comes, if ever, back to the ball anymore. Um, and, and, you know, he may not have done that originally, but I feel like I recall him doing that more than he has this year. It is what it is. Um you know, the Javon Holland pass, you know, it's just a bad rookie pass. That's what you get with a rookie quarterback. And Javon Holland um, is an amazing player. Uh, he's done some terrific things since being drafted last year. So I went back and had a look. Uh, and I thought if you, I wanted to look at where the Steelers were sitting this year, where the league was sitting this year. Because I anecdotally feel that the teams um, haven't won as many games. And then, what are the odds that they can make the playoffs? Not the betting odds, but what are the actual like odds? How have anyone has anyone done this before from where they're at? We know they've come back from zero and four and one and four and all these things. But how often have teams actually done this? So let's it was interesting as well as I was thinking about this, and then about 12 hours before I'm recording this podcast at about 10 p.m. my time, 
you know, over here in Australia on a Wednesday night. And I know this goes live during a Wednesday afternoon, so it's kind of trippy as always. But I saw a stat that said in week eight, there is going to be only one game between teams with a winning record. And I thought, wow, that like, I I just happened to see it as I was just doing some scanning social media. And I'd already sort of planned this title, planned to look at this focus. And that's kind of interesting when, you know, the Steelers are in a division with the Browns um, who are two and five as well. You've got three and four Washington commanders in the NFC East. Um, Almost all the NFC North has a negative record. Uh, Same as the um, NFC West, the, the NFC South, no one has a positive record. AFC West, which, which was meant to be the best conference in the NFL, there's two teams with a negative record. Uh, and in the AFC South, you've got the Indianapolis Colts that are exactly 500. Jaguars are two and five. Houston Texans are one, four and one. Um, you know, really it's the AFC East. It's the only division that's got three teams with a positive record um, in the AFC. Um, obviously, NFC, you've got, you know, uh, yeah, NFC, you've won. Yeah, there's only one division as well in the NFC East. So it seems like the East Coast teams, there's something in the water over there. They're playing better. I don't know. Um, but I thought, I, I, say, I thought I had a look at it. So the Steelers are two and five now um, on the season. Last year, uh, by week eight, they had had a bye and they were um, three and three. So there's a little bit of difference there, but it's not it's not huge. Um, both, both seasons are 17 game seasons. The other thing that I thought was interesting is I went back and had a look. So I had a look at the based on the power rankings article. It was the only way I could really find, figure out how to pull these stats really easily. Even like pro football reference didn't do this very well for me. But essentially, there are 19 teams in the league this season, or as of this week, that I have a record of 500 or worse. And I thought, oh, man, that feels like it's definitely more than last year. Like definitely more than last year. So I had a look. And actually, funnily enough, in fact, there were 19 teams last year. Now, there are a, bit, there are a few more teams, if I um, anecdotally remember, that were closer to the 500 mark. And obviously, this is the difference when you've got 17 games um, and how that's seeming to roll out in, in terms of who's playing each other, who's winning. And I think you're seeing, I mean, the salary cap has proven an error that it works. I mean, if you know only one team is 6-0, and um, the Giants are 6-1, and but other than that, there's two teams that have you know won um, every game or almost you know over eighty um, over eighty percent of their games there, and then there's other teams that are five and one. Um, yeah, well, six and one's over eighty five percent. So it's kind of interesting from that perspective. So I thought again in looking at that, uh, and it was interesting. You know, the top ten, I think there's four or five overlap um, with the with Baltimore, the Bengals, the Bills, the Cowboys. And there's one other because Kansas were out of the power rankings at that point. But in terms of the power rankings, you're seeing a bit of overlap as well. There's at least 50% overlap. Green Bay obviously slipping off the radar this year or slipping off the map a bit is probably, you know, is part of that problem. Uh, Same with the Rams to a degree. So I looked at, I went and found, funnily enough, someone written an article on, um, it was Yardbark or Yardbaker.com. It came up through some Google searching. Where have teams come back from? What are some of the worst situations that teams have come back from? So 2018, they had 28 teams that have come back from really poor losing records to make the playoffs. Because I wanted to look at making the playoffs specifically. Can the Steelers make the playoffs? Might be a tall order, particularly if they lose against the Eagles. Um, they're probably going to want to hope that the rest of the division does pretty poorly and they can scrape in with an eight and nine um, and win six games down the stretch. 
Uh, but you know, that, again, that's a, that's a pretty tall, that's, you know, pretty tall order, you know, to win six out of nine, um, particularly on the schedule, but it's, it is doable when you look at the matchups against the Browns, they've got the Ravens again, in division stuff. They've got Atlanta who are playing well, but they, you know, even though they're playing all right, they're, well, we say they're playing well, they're playing better than what we thought they would. Um, that, that's a different thing from being world beater. And the Steelers have been in games apart from Buffalo. Um, you know, the Steelers have been in games. So, they had 28 teams going back. I think the last team was 1970. It might have been a little bit further. That have made the playoffs with a really poor record. Now, I only looked. I looked at ones that had a record that was similar to the Steelers or feasible against what the Steelers have had so far. So, there were 13 teams that I classified as this, and they. So, I'm going to go chronologically from the oldest first. So, they were the 1970. Because we'll have different fans and listeners of this show that remember some of these teams or have heard about some of the teams or remember growing up around some of these teams. And interestingly, there's one decade particularly where this really showed up. Um, and that was the 90s. So 1970s Bengals were one and six. They made the playoffs. The Vikings, a 1980 Vikings were three and five. They made the playoffs. The 1989 Steelers were four and six. They made the playoffs. The 1994 Patriots were three and six. They made the playoffs. The 1995 Lions were three and six. They made the playoffs. The 1996, sorry, the 1995 Chargers on the other side of the fence in the AFC were four and seven. They made the playoffs. The 1996 Jags were four and seven. They made the playoffs. The Jets in 2002 were two and five. They made the playoffs. In 2008, the Chargers made the playoffs after starting the season two and eight. In 2009, the Jets made the playoffs, starting um, with their season four and six. In 2013, the Chargers made the playoffs with five and seven. So it's a little bit deeper in the season. The Steelers have to go on a bit of a run, as we've talked about. The Chiefs made the playoffs in 2015 after starting one and five. Like Jamal Charles got injured that year, I remember, quite early. And Green Bay in 2016 made the playoffs after starting the season four and six. Uh, And then... Moving from there, actually, I lied. There, there was more, but there was more like this. Um, sorry, there were 16 teams out of 28. Um, the Colts made the playoffs in 2018 after starting 1-5. The 2018 Eagles made the playoffs. That was a year after their Super Bowl, um, after starting season four and six. And then in 2020, the Commanders made the playoffs after starting three and seven. But they won their division, if you remember correct, correctly, where they won seven games at, at, um and lost nine, but that that topped the division. So that's that's a little bit skewed. These other teams finished with uh, with positive records, by all accounts. We say, okay, that's pretty cool. There's like fourteen out of twenty eight teams. We've got like almost you know fifty two years of history there. It's doable, right? It's it's doable. And there are people that did in the same year, but they, you know, it was almost every other year someone makes it this far back. And if you look at the divisions right now, AFC East is probably locking up. Um, you know, if you do look at AFC West, that's kind of locking up as well. AFC South could be anything. The Steelers are probably better than, you know, the, the, some of those teams too. Um, you know, particularly if they're, when they're healthy and so particularly TJ Watt back. But the one thing when I looked at these teams and you have to go through year by year in those squads, I mean, there's some years there that I, I wasn't even alive for. <laughs> um, and certainly, you know, when you're on the other side of the world, certainly a lot of that time, you know, it was before my my NFL, you know, time supporting, you know, NFL and following the NFL. But they didn't have 
Well, the majority of these teams didn't have rookie quarterbacks. And that's probably one of the key differences. With the Ben Roethlisberger over two and five start, I mean, if it was the last couple of years, you'd say maybe he's too old and washed up. But, you know, I saw stats about, you know, or saw sentiment on social media that at least you felt we were in games with Ben. Um, we're in the game this week with Kenny Pickett. But it's a really hard ask. And the team's got us around him. Like Dave Schofield talked about this a few weeks back, probably three or four weeks ago now, um, about the receivers needing to help Kenny pick it out. They do, uh, big time. And DJ just doesn't do that for someone that's getting paid what he's getting paid. The offensive line is helping out. Um, I think we started to see a few bit of progression in the run game. But again, that's got to continue to, you know, really elevate. But it's not impossible. It's not impossible. And I think if you're a Steelers fan, if the Steelers finish 7-10 and 10, and Kenny Pickett really improves down the stretch and they're in games and they lose by less than a score, um, you know, or within one score, let's say, probably a better way to put it, you probably call it, you know, a, a decent season from the Steelers. Mike Tomlin's probably facing his first season below 500. I, I think that that's pretty, it's a pretty tall order now. Uh, but it's not impossible that the Steelers can finish with a positive record. And it's not completely impossible yet that they miss the playoffs. Now, winning this week would be really helpful. Winning this week makes it a lot more comfortable. This is a, you know, we talk about the Steelers in previous years in trap games. This is a trap game for the Eagles. Now, I think the Eagles will be up for it in a way that sometimes the Steelers haven't been over their history. But the Eagles... You know, and they do some awesome things on front. They've got some experienced players. But when we in part two, we look at the rookies. They, you know, everyone talked about their great draft and these are the guys they got. And, you know, don't get me wrong. There's a couple of guys that I really like that they brought into their squad. But they're not relying on those guys to win games. Like Mike Tomlin in his press conference called out Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis is not playing, you know, a huge amount of snaps. or not what you think he might be playing for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, it's not to say they don't unleash him against the Steelers um, offensive line and have fun in Kevin Dodson. Um, Mason Cole and James Daniel, but you, you don't know. Um, they're 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 taking a very steel approach and blooding their players, that, you know, in a, in another fashion. Um, to get them used to the NFL, but we'll get there in part two. We'll get there in part two. But don't give up hope yet. And I, and I talked about this in Steelers touch down under with Marky D on Sat on you know Friday Night Live when it's on Facebook and YouTube. Um and then it goes live on a Sunday morning. Um, it goes live on the audio side, so it's not a live, you know, obviously, but it's playback. And if you're not going to be along the ride for the negative times, don't be on the ride for the positive times. You've got to see this through. And I agree. Like Mike Tomlin described Kenny Pickett as a fish in water. I completely agree. Um, there was a post interview I saw um, through the week on, it kind of popped up on YouTube. So I watched it with Colin Cowherd and, uh, and one of the experts he gets on quarterback. He said he likes what the, what's there from Kenny Pickett. Um, and he said he's a guy that if you stick with him for a couple of years, he will win you a lot of games and be an outstanding quarterback. He's not necessarily going to be, you know, um, Aaron Rodgers with the arm strength or, jo- or Josh Allen, but, but he did say, look at, and I've seen comparisons. Josh Allen didn't do well at the start of his career. He didn't. Um, and so, You've got to allow people to develop. And I see things on social media like, oh, Kenny Pickett's washed up. Kenny Pickett's not going to be the GOAT. Kenny Pickett's not the one. Draft another quarterback. I mean, this stuff is ludicrous. The guy's played, not even played a handful of games. Like, it, 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 it's actually, like, silly. <laughs> it, it's it's just nuts. Um, but if you go back and you look at his 
like Josh Allen's stats, you know, he had a quarterback rating 67.9 when he played um, 12 games in 2018 in his, of his rookie year. Interception ratio of 3%, he threw 12 interceptions. Now, Kenny's throwing a lot more, but Kenny's playing with a, with an offensive and behind with an offensive coordinator who doesn't know how to be one. But Josh Allen hit 52.8% of his throws, 52.8% of his throws um, in his rookie year. But anyway, we'll get to Kenny Pickett um, deeper in part two. But I wanted to just say, stick with it. Stick with it, Steeler fans. We, good times are far oh, fast around the corner um, than what we think they are. So with that, that wraps up part one of this week's Steelers War Room. Join me for part two. We'll get into Steelers rookies and their performances as of late. And we'll also get into um, previewing the Philadelphia Eagles rookies as well. And we're back on Steelers War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matty Peverell, the host of the show that likes to put you in the minds of Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, and the rest of the Steelers front office as they look to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond, a roster that competes for a seventh Lombardi trophy. As hard as that's going to be, we talked about that it's not impossible in part one. Now we're in part two. Now we're talking about the rookies on the Steelers that have performed over the past week um, or through the season to date. And, of course, previewing the Philadelphia Eagles rookies, many of which have some decent names and have some decent draft cloud around them. And it's good to see, um, or at least good to have a look at what are they actually doing, because sometimes perception is not reality. So when we look at the Steelers, we're starting to see some contributions from players. The big news of the week, obviously, coming off the Mike Tolan press conference, was about Calvin Austin. Unlikely to get a hat in this preseason He's, if they don't activate him within the next I mean, four to six days or something like that, um, but within the next week, then he doesn't get it. He's on IR for the rest of the season. I think that's going to happen, guys. Um, but hey, it gives him a chance to learn more about being a pro. It gives him a chance to stay healthy, get healthy with a gadget guy like that, um, with a um, skedaddler in many ways. Um, we want we want him healthy next year. Um, and and again, well, let him get healthy. Like, what's the point in in screwing up? It's like some people have said, oh. You know, I don't agree with the sentiment of roasting TJ. If TJ is not right to go after the bye, I'm not saying you have to sit him out the whole year. Now, if TJ is a competitor, he won't want to do that. But don't play him and get him injured. It's not worth it. We'd rather two more years out of TJ at the end of his career than him playing banged up, you know, multiple season on multiple season just so the Steelers can get a positive record. That, that That's silly. But the best players should play. I'm not saying that and I'm not saying tank. I just, you, let's, let's be smart about some of our top tier guys, our elite guys, our gener- potentially generational guys. Anyway, the first rookie that we're going to kick off with the Steelers this week is my man, Jalen Warren. I love, I talked about him before, um, about how I love more in touch under than Warren, but how I love that attitude that every time he goes into training, um, your UMC Rooney, um, your BCM facility, he's always basically, you know, just taking the logo and he can't believe he's there. He, it seems to be something about this 30 jersey. I feel like James Connor brought some real passion to the role as well. Um, but look, he had two rushes last week against Miami for seven yards, 3.5 yards per attempt. Two receptions, two targets for 17 yards total. That's eight and a half divided by two. Um, eight and a half yards per target. 
Uh, he played 23% of the offensive snaps. You saw him do some awesome blocking. He, he got a key first down, if my memory serves me correctly as well. Um, and he played 31% of the special team snaps. He's just this all-round guy. He does the dirty work. And he's just he just seems like a solid guy to have in his team. And hopefully someone Steels can have around as a building block for years ahead. Um, you'd think no one picks up Benny Snell. They might put him on a, you know, um, bring him in to have a look at him in off-season training camp. Um, I'm restricted free, you know, agent sort of deal. I think that's what he's up for in the next year. Um, but you pick Jalen Warren every time. He's already superseded Benny Snell and he contributes more. And I just love his attitude to the team. And I hope he's someone that can be a mainstay from the Steelers running back room um, for the next three, four, five, even five seasons ahead. Um, so he's doing really well there, the rookie out of Oklahoma State. George Pickens, uh, great uh sort of play this week his first career nfl touchdown um on the receiving side of things you obviously had a couple in the preseason but um six receptions for si- of six targets awesome 61 yards awesome to keep his feet in the end zone there one touchdown 10.17 yards per target that's pretty awesome um 10.17 yards per reception because he caught everything uh there he you know the one td was yeah just i just thought it was really cool um, to, to, to see from that perspective, he played 79% of the offensive snaps at 59 snaps. Um, he doesn't, he rarely plays on special teams. He's only got one special team snap on the season so far. Um, his catch right now brings him to 65% on the season, 338 yards, one TD, average yards per reception is 13. If you go back three or four shows, I talked about how. In college, George Pickens had this, you know, plus 12, 13, 14, um, even bigger. I think once he's now like 16 as his yards per reception. Um, so you're seeing that in the NFL. And I said, you would see that. You would see that translate. Um, so that's pretty cool. Yards per target to date in the NFL is 8.5. Um, that's pretty good. So if his catch rate, if you can get that to 70%, he's making five plus receptions each week. He can make over 60, 70 yards each week. That's going to be a solid rookie year. Um, for George Pickens, and I just hope he can stay healthy as well because um, I think we're really going to need him down the stretch as the Steelers bounce back and the Steelers continue to really try and stay in games. And that's the other thing. I know in part one we talked about the record. The Steelers won 23-20, and they probably should have drawn or lost that game. We all talk about the the um, injury they had from the long snapper. They lost against New England 14-17, three points. They lost against the the Jets 20 to 24, and they lost last week 10 to 16. So if you look at their seven games so far, five of them have been decided by one score. Now they've lost two of those. They've lost three of those and they won two, but they're, they're in it. Um, it was only against Cleveland and Buffalo with our blowouts. Uh, this team can show something. Uh, and, and even if they don't win this week against Philadelphia, uh, I think you'll really if, you, if we can come away thinking, hey, this is going to get better after the bye, that's what they need to do. They need to put in a confidence performance to go on a run. And I'll leave it to what I said in part one. Um, it is feasible. But that's, anyway, going back, that's George Pickens. Continues to deliver. Love the pick. Love the player. I just I just can't wait to see more from him. And more from number 14. Then we have Connor Haywood. Uh, so he played, obviously, again this week against Miami. One reception for six targets. That was a key reception. It was on like a second or third down off the top of my head. He only played five offensive snaps. I don't know how Matt Canada is not skimming in him, him in, except to say I don't believe in or trust in Matt Canada to get rid of him. Um, probably will be after the season, but it should be sooner. 
And then he played 70% of the special team snaps. Not not like a massive notoriety game um, there for Connor Haywood, but I just love to see him getting on the field and getting some reps. And then, yeah, I just want to go back to Kenny Pickett. Uh, Kenny Pickett in this game had 32 from 44 for a completion percentage of 72.73%. Um, that gives him a completion percentage on the season so far of 68.5, which is pretty good. He had 257 yards, one TD, three interceptions, He'd love to, to be two and two, and the Steelers probably win the game. Had a quarterback rating of 66, took two sacks for 11 yards, had three rushes for 20 yards. Maybe if he had another one at the end instead of throwing the ball, we might have come away with the win, but, you know, it's hard to say, um, you know, that that was definitely going to happen. But as I said, you look at the rookie year from Josh Allen. He had 2,074 yards playing in um, 12 games, 52%, 169 completions from 320. You look at Kenny Pickett so far, 87 completions from 127 attempts um, there for 771 yards. So, you know, Kenny Pickett has got about half those completions um, off, you know, less than half of those number of attempts, higher percentage rate. He's got the TDs. Yeah, he's got seven interceptions, but he's not being helped out. He's not got a supportive offensive scheme. Um and, and and that's just what it is. Now, the thing that I do didn't like when I was looking at Pro Football Reference, his bad throw percentage is thirteen point three percent. That's kind of pretty high, um, and so that's something that he probably needs to look at. Was, but again, when I looked at Josh Allen, I'm not saying I'm, like, I'm not comparing constantly Josh Allen because I think he can be Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen is a got you know rare elite arm throwing and, and arm strength, but you know he can win games. You know, he can definitely win games in, in a similar way, kind of like a Josh Allen light. Um, but, you know, Josh Allen had 25.7% bad throws and they didn't do on target stats back in 2018 with pro football reference. But Kenny Pickett's on target throw was 74.2%. Now, Josh Allen has only had more than 74% one year in 2020. This year, it's 73.6%. So Kenny Pickett is accurate, right? And that's what we need. Um, drops at two and a half percent. So that's actually pretty low, despite all what we see from Deontay. The drop rate was a lot higher um, in jo- in any of Josh Allen's years. It will get higher throughout the season, probably though. Um, and so that kind of just that kind of is what it is. And I and he probably needs to look at when he's throwing it away a little bit. Um, but you know, so be it. I do under pressure. Um, he's been pressured thirteen point five percent of the time as well. Um, and he's had eight scrambles. He's had 10 hits, blitz 31 times. So people aren't fully blitzing him, um, which is interesting as well, I think, in terms of how the defense are lining up against him. Um, but I'm really I'm really happy with what Kenny Pickett's delivering for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I do think he is the future, and I do think he's going to prove out to be a guy that can win a lot of games for the Steelers and be quite possibly be our next full franchise quarterback. So moving on to the Eagles side, an Eagles team that is 6-0, Mike Tomlin talked about the fact that they are being able they have a really positive turnover ratio. They've only turned the ball over twice. Um, talked about his love in the press conference for um, Jalen Hurts. Talked about his you know praise for a guy like a Brandon Graham, some of their other guys on the line. Um, and so the Eagles are a really good team. There's no doubt about it. But they've got everything to lose and the Steelers have got everything to gain. And that makes the Steelers a bit more dangerous um, than what some people are giving them a little bit of credit for as well. So, 
I mean, and just so that you know, everyone knows, they're fourth of 32 teams in points for with 161. They're fourth in terms of points against at 105. That's, so basically they're averaging 26.8 points per game and they're only conceding 17 and a half. So that puts a real pressure on the Steelers. The Steelers' defense has to turn up this week, has to pressure Jalen Hurts. God, you, gosh, you'd love to see a Miles Jack or Devin Bush sack. And I'm on the Devin Bush train. I think he's been playing well for about four or five weeks at least. Um, I think people are being a bit unfair to him. Anyway, let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles rookies. Now, there were about four or five guys, um, maybe even six of them, on these this rookie class out of the um, eight that have played so far on the season that are more just kind of playing special teams, to be honest. So Josh Sills, uh, a tackle that they um, drafted out of Oklahoma State, He's played in one game, week five. He played 16% of special team snaps. That's it. He wears number 61. Probably not going to see a lot of him on the weekend. Uh, but yeah, if you see him, that's what he's sort of doing. Don't expect him to take a major role in the offensive line play for the Eagles this week. It's just something that you wouldn't expect. Then you got Cam Jurgens, a guy I was a big favorite of, a guy that's got better arm length than um, Tyler Linderbaum, a guy that I think could have better career potential overall, depending on the time he gets. He was drafted in the second round, 51st overall. He's only played on special teams. I lie, sorry. He's played three offensive snaps on the season so far. That was 4% in that game in week five. Otherwise, he's played literally a handful of special team snaps each week. That's all they've done. They're blooding him in that way. He is a little bit light. He weighed in at about 290 pounds coming in out of college. Um, into the NFL. So they may be looking at how they're like getting his body used to the rigors of NFL. And they brought him in, you know, because they did have an aging line and those guys are standing up right now. Those guys are staying on. Um, so the guy who's Instagram, you can follow at beef underscore jerky, uh, you know, guy that I'm really high on number 51 for them. Probably going to see him more on the special team slide side of things um, than anything else. Then you have Kyron Johnson, who is a defensive end, six foot one, two hundred and twenty-three pounds. So defensive end in the four-three scheme. So um, really an outside linebacker from our perspective at three-four. He was drafted in the sixth round um, out of Kansas. He's played in six games. He's only played two defensive snaps on the season so far. The rest he's played on played on special teams. Season high of seventy-seven percent with twenty snaps in week three. Um, so you probably will see him line up in the Steelers. He'll be looking to make a difference on special teams. Something a lot of teams do when they're blooding linebackers, we do it as well. Steelers, um, and so he wears jersey number fifty-eight. So you may see a bit of him, but you're more likely to see him on the special um, team side of things. And he did have a concussion. He did was in the concussion protocol a couple of weeks back as well. So that's an interesting one too. Then you got Josh Job, who was someone. If you're a regular listener of this show, I definitely covered him during the draft process. Not like too deep, but I did talk about him as being an option for the Steelers in rounds four and later. He was drafted out of Alabama, drafted a bit later. Uh, pretty decent tackler for my scout memory of the scouting reports. There again, he's playing on special teams. He's had a season high of 23 snaps in special teams in week one. That was three quarters of those that week, um, but he played 81 percent of special team snaps in week three. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's just someone again, contributing on special teams, blighting him, getting used to the NFL. He wears jersey number 28. I don't expect to see him make a crazy amount of difference for the Steelers. And hopefully that's the case. Hopefully it's not because they're recovering a, a punt or a kick that's been fumbled, um, as well, or he's doing a, a nice tackle to give the Steelers, uh, you know, put them back toward their end zone. 
Then you've got Britton Covey, who was undrafted out of Utah, and he's a wide receiver, five foot eight, one hundred and seventy three pounds, so a, a, a sort of a faster guy. Um, I don't have a forty time for him, unfortunately. Um, they signed him to their active roster in twenty twenty two in October. Uh, so and like they had him list at tight end at one point, but I don't think that's quite right. Um, anyway, so he's doing kick punts and returns for them. So he's had three kick returns for 69 yards, um, 15 punt returns for 99 yards, no TDs, long of 15 on the punt side, long of 23 on the kick side of things. Um, he's had three, no, sorry, that's all kick returns. Yeah, offensive snaps. He's had none in the season so far. So he's their return specialist. Um, that's where you're going to see number 18 for the Philadelphia Eagles contribute in this week's game. Then we got Nakobe Dean, quite a highly touted linebacker, even though he's a bit um, undersized. Some people want a bit more of that, like Marshall in the defense. They said he might put on a little bit of size, really that 4-3 middle linebacker um, rather than an inside linebacker, um, controlling the defense, marshalling the team like a bigger safety, um, drafting third round overall because of that injury. Otherwise, they were saying he was the top linebacker in the draft, even though some people didn't love the size. Three defensive snaps on the season so far in week one. Otherwise, he, like the others, has only contributed on special teams. Um, he's had two tackles on the season so far. So that kind of, and they were both on special teams. So it gives you a sense of where he's at. This is a development year. Next year, Kobe Dean will be only make a bigger positive difference to the Philadelphia Eagles. And before last week's um, round of games, I actually had a stat that like currently Philadelphia Eagles were undefeated and obviously they had the bye, um, but that they actually at the time had first pick in next year's draft. Imagine that a team that's almost undefeated halfway through the year gets first pick in the NFL draft next year. And obviously that can shake up depending on the way things go. Um, but create pretty scary thought in some ways as well, particularly if they trade back, um, which they probably would give them where they're at, particularly if Hertz gets into the playoffs and they can start hoarding picks. Um, that's, that's a scary prospect, but they do need it. They have got aging guys on the offensive and defensive lines. Then you've got Grant Kent Calcaterra. Sorry. Um, Calcaterra uh, out of SMU, drafting the sixth round. He's a tight end, 6'5", 247 pounds. Uh, he's played on special teams like the other guys as well. And he's played on the offense too. He's had one reception for one target for one reception for 40 yards in week one. Uh, he played in, sorry, in week three, played in weeks three, four, five, and six. So they're starting to blot him in. Played a season low snap last week of seven of the, in the games that he's played in. Versus 17 in week three. You may see him up against the Steelers. He may be a mismatch there that they want to try and expose. He's sort of a backup guy, but he wears number 47 for them. You know, and he's one target, one reception, so 100%, but we'll see how that transitions. He's played 15% of the offensive snaps on the season to date in total and 9% on special teams snaps. And then we have Reed Blankenship, the safety, six foot one, 196 pounds, out of Middle, Middle Tennessee State, undrafted guy. People thought he was a sixth or seventh round pick. Uh, two tackles on the season in week from playing in the week five game against Arizona. He played special teams then. He's not played anything since. So whether you see number 32 for the Eagles contribute, um, we'll see. We'll see what that looks like um, as we go forward. 
And then we have Jordan Davis, the highly touted first-round draft pick for the Eagles this year, the massive bloke if you watch draft day, just huge. Six foot six, 340 pounds, um, 13th overall in this year's NFL draft. It's, it's crazy. 4.7840 time. Crazy for a guy that that size. Um, just nuts. Um he has allowed a quarterback rating of 39.6 in the snaps he's played, allowed zero completions on one target. He's started four out of six games for the Philadelphia Eagles defense. He's had played on one blitz, one caused one quarterback hurry, one pressure. He's missed no tackles on the season so far. He has 12 tackles on the season. Um, so he's contributing on the 90 for uh, Philadelphia. Um, he's played... A season high of 42% of snaps at 29 snaps. That was also a high in actual snaps played um, in week five. So he's played every week, played at least 30 to 30% or a third of the snaps. He's played on special teams in weeks four, five, and six, and he's played a third of the special team snaps there as well. So he's contributing on um, in those two facets of the game. Caught up by Mac Tomlin. This is one of those weeks where a guy like this who's a highly drafted draft pick might take a bigger role um, for them, particularly coming out of a bye. They could have been sort of blooding him and feeding him in. I think if they're starting to create pressure with him, he, he could play something like 50% of the snaps this week. Um, and they might even look to move him all around a, a little bit instead of just have him completely rush um, from the interior um, part of the, you know, part of that defensive line. Um, they might move him a little bit further out. But with that, that's going to wrap up this week's Steelers War Room. Steel fans, as I said, I'm touching on there. I think I might have said on War Room last week as well. Keep the faith. Things are still possible. You know, uh, my colleague, Shannon White, who I love, he's a great guy. He said in his stock report this week, you know, the Steelers are a classic, um, you know, rebuilding franchise where you, the week's over before it begins. Look, if they can keep Kenny Pickett upright, if guys can actually come in and help, if the bounce, a couple of bounces of the ball can go their way, they're half a shot against most teams. Will it be enough against the Eagles? Probably not. But all these got all these you know guys that take the field can do is go out there and try and beat the opposing guy on the field um, in every which way possible, uh, so that they can earn a win and at least earn some pride, at least get some confidence going in the bye, come back after the bye, and the run home hopefully should be easier than the the run that they've had to date to, to open the season. We don't like easy as Pittsburgh Steelers fans. We think the team needs to show up regardless, um, but we are where we are. We're two and five. The season's not over yet. And with that, go Steelers. Go Steelers.